everybody, and welcome back to the show. This is the Game by Show podcast for March the 15th, 2017. My name is LeGrand. I'm joined with Jeremy. Marching it in like a couple of kids into a BBC interview. <laughs> and Dale. The Game by Show is where I drew some blood. I could not get enough. I don't get it. <laughs> Pretty sure that's a Depeche Mode song. Oh, I don't like the Depeche Mode. I'm just kidding. So I don't know. <laughs> I guess I. The Ides of March. It is the I don't Ides know what of that March. means. It's the middle of March. It's the middle of March. It's the day you're going to be betrayed. Betrayed by video games. I am not very cultured, so whatever reference you guys are dropping. In the Game Bites show is where I listed some games. <laughs> In the Game Bites show. Oh boy, it's '90s uh, Power Hour again. Up Get some here. of that. Get some of them yeah bands. In. <laughs> it's about time. It's a quarter of the way through the year. So what y'all been up to? Dale and I were on trips. Counting uh, trips over here. And Jeremy and Jared, they uh, held down the fort while we were gone. We did. And I, I even listened to the episode today. It was great. Oh, excellent. Good. Well, you know, we try and uh, maintain a standard of quality here, in case you couldn't tell. Uh, Which I, I wouldn't blame you. I, I didn't know. I wasn't <laughs> sure if you guys did a Sunday episode. I, I meant to check this today, but I was real busy at work. Real super yeah. busy. Podcasts are really inconvenient. It's not like they can like beam straight onto your phone that you carry with you on your person 24 yeah, hours you a day. Guys, you guys were talking about building games, and you forgot the very first one I ever played was Excitebike. That's a really good reference. Remember that? You remember that little You know the funny thing Good one, Dale. Uh, you know, the funny thing about that is that I think they were originally going to make it so you could save those tracks. And I heard that. That's what I heard. Yeah. And uh, I guess it was just something that they never implemented, at least in America. I don't know if it was that Oh, way dude, just a hundred of the little ramps back to back to back to back to oh, back yeah. to back to back to back. That was like the letter R, I believe. It was the big... Just, the, just a little ramp. Just like a thousand of them. How, whatever the yeah. max was that you could put. I think every, every eight-year-old did that. Yeah, probably. You know what my idea of customization was on the NES? Did you guys ever play Mock Rider? It was like that uh, motorcycle, like, kind of behind the shoulder, sort of, not behind the shoulder, but, you know, behind the motorcyclist, and there were, like, turns and stuff. Well, it had a track customiz- customizer, too, and uh, my idea of customization was to make it like, just a straight track and just, like, drive it and have, like, a perfect record. <laughs> the only way you couldn't, you didn't have to crash. Exactly. Right. I just like leave it on, go make a sandwich. I don't think I. I don't even know what Mock Rider is. I don't think I ever played that. I don't either. Jeremy's making things up. Probably here. a spinoff of Knight Rider. Oh, that would be awesome. Rad yeah. Racer. Rad Racer. Man, what a dumb game. Yeah. Well, <laughs> with that, welcome to the show, fellers, where we talk about video games and the games that we've been playing. It's that time again. Over the past week, Dale and I took airplane trips. Dale, what did you play on the airplane? I didn't actually play anything on the airplane. I read a book on the airplane. Oh, oh boo, Dale. But I did play uh, I did play some 3DS while I was sitting in a house somewhere, not not taking oh. it portable. Well, that's all right. I mean, that's still kind of a game. I mean, I guess it was portable in the sense that I wasn't in my home. I was in my parents' home because we were visiting them. In, like, the um, loosest sense. Yeah. I, I played, uh, if you want to get into this, if you want, yeah, if you want to figure we... out what, what I played... It's not like it's not written right in front of us. <laughs> I played... You know, I don't even remember how this happened, but at one point or another over the past couple of years, I ended up with like $27 of credit on the eShop for some reason. 
That's weird. Yeah, it's, it's it is weird. I honestly have no idea <laughs> where it came from because I, I just can't think of any logical reason why I would have that credit, but I did. Um, and anyway, at the time, I used it to purchase uh, Monster Hunter Four Ultimate. Ooh, that's a good purchase. And uh, yeah, and it was I think it was twenty dollars at the time. And and if I remember right, I, that left me with money left over that I used to buy, um, I don't know some. Some eShop thing, I think. Um, maybe SteamWorld Dig, maybe. Uh, Super Mario Brothers one. for the third time, fourth time. No, no, none of that. But I, I, it was probably SteamWorld Dig because I did, I did buy that at some point. Anyway, back to, to Monster Hunter. Um, I am a fan of the Monster Hunter series, but not a super fan, right? So I first tried the games on the PSP with, I think, probably... Uh, Monster Hunter 2 or, or one of the ones that was first released in, in the U.S. on the PSP. And I found it basically unplayable, right? Because you had to do this weird like sort of claw right. configuration with your hand in order to to have some semblance of control over your character and the camera at the same time. Right. And so I, I kind of bounced off of it then. But then... You should go back to it on PSP, by the way, because you can map all, the, all those buttons to like... Oh, on, on, the, on, on the Vita? Vita on the Vita, sorry. Yes, yeah. on the Vita, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's another good thing about the Vita. But uh, uh, I did actually go back to it uh, on a couple of occasions. Uh, the the most I ever played was Monster Hunter Try on the Wii, which was the that was the first version of Monster Hunter Three, uh, which they would later do um, other games. <laughs> Twelve <laughs> like iterative releases. Uh, yeah, they've done a, a million of them. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but Try was uh, was really cool. Um, and that one I played probably fifty hours of something like that. So, I mean, I got decently into it, but not like, I mean, when you really get into Monster Hunter, you'll put like 500 hours into one revision of it, right? Uh, I know there, some of those crazies. Yeah, there are people that do that. Um, and I've, uh, I haven't never gotten that far in, but I, I did play a good bit of try, so such that I probably got to like maybe the second or third um, of the like big uh, event monsters, you know, like the, mm-hmm. was it like the... I forget what the big one that I was fighting was called, but it was like this weird like sea lion thing that would come up onto the beach that you had to fight. And then like Crappy you, had to, you had to jump into the water to fight it underwater too. Uh, it was like a Leo Taurus or something. The Lorax. Some thing. Um, and then uh, Monster Hunter Portable 3rd, which was the first one where they introduced the long katana-like swords. I think they're actually just called... Long swords. Long swords, yeah. Um, because I have always been partial to the great sword, uh, just because that's that's kind of my jam. Um, I, you know, either short sword and shield or great sword. But uh, so anyway, with Monster Hunter Four Ultimate, um, I wanted to just check it out and see, you know, what's this? What's this revision of Monster Hunter like? And broadly, it's the same as all the others, <laughs> with maybe like a few. Uh, little minor sort of quality of life improvements, but I gave it a go and I started up a character um, again using the using the long or not the long sword the the great sword um, and did a first few of the probably the first ten quests or so to kind of you know just familiarize myself with the new hunting grounds in this version um, and it's a lot of the kind of the same monsters I'd seen before in in try I guess. Uh, but with some new ones, and um, I, th- I think the big addition to this game, and it might have come in four 
vanilla um, are the 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 palicos, the the little um, cat people that that you find out in the in the hunting ground. Sometimes you can actually hire one to, or I think I think you might even be able to have more than one. Get a little team to, them, yeah. To kind of go around with you and um, fight the monsters together. And I think you can probably configure it to where uh, if you want to be like a ranged or kind of support sort of class that you can basically have them do the tanking or you you could do vice versa. You could have you could be the main sort of guy with the big axe or hammer or or whatever trying to attract the monster's attention while you have your palico cat guys. you know, either doing the ranged or the the hunting horn class, which I'm not even really sure what they do. Maybe it's like a bard, where they do like group buffs or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, um, it is kind of a buffy sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Kind of broadly, the Monster Hunter games are they sort of do that kind of MMO thing, especially when you're playing in in um, cooperative mode where you have people that that team up to take on a big monster. But at the same time, like I, I always feel like the the Souls games borrowed a, a lot from Monster Hunter Combat, um, or it, maybe it's that, or maybe it's Parallel Evolution, where they these two combat systems both kind of grew to be um, very considerate of animation and and timing and like weight and heft, and uh, you have a stamina meter in both, you know. Also, and, they pretty much lifted the role right from you know that dodge roll. Yeah, exactly yeah, the yeah. Thing. The dodge roll was the same. Um, there's, you could almost say that the games share a combat system, right? Uh, and and the the fact that the Souls games are so much about like um, boss fights, and and of course, so it's Monster Hunter, right? Um, uh, presented a little bit differently, but yeah, it's it's a lot of kind of like learning the patterns of a boss and then coming to grips with your 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 move set, which is it gives you a lot of options, but at the same time is pretty limiting because it, you know, it forces you to, um, if you want to get that heavy hit in, you got to wait until the monster is open for that, that time to let you do that. And, uh, both games are really pretty strict about that and you can be stunned and you can be knocked out of your animation and stuff like that. But yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that there's too much different about this game from the other Monster Hunter games that I've played. And I'm hoping that uh, maybe with the Switch, we'll actually see some real um, evolution, not just to the to the graphical fidelity of the series, well, certainly that, but also to the uh, playability of the series. I, I haven't yet played Monster Hunter Cross or Generations, I think. Generations, yeah. Um. I understand that that has added a few, maybe a few more new wrinkles, but I, I don't know exactly yeah, what I th- they I think are. in the case of that one, they've added a couple of different stances for different weapons, so, so you can do kind of different move sets within a given weapon. Because the weapons themselves, more or less, like, aside from adding new ones, the weapons themselves more or less stay the same as far as the move sets. Yeah, I, the only thing I tweets. remember, the, the kind of the big weapon revolution thing I remember um, was the Switch Axe, which would go between yeah. great axe and, and, and a sort of great sword, but I don't know that it 
had all the moves of either. It was just kind of like allowed a little bit of flexibility. Right. That's my yeah. main, baby. I, I do that switch axe. Oh, the axe. switch axe? Yeah. yeah. So a couple of other things, though, that uh, that Monster Hunter 4 added uh, was a level of verticality. So there, you know, you could climb up on things at some point in, in previous games, but uh, this, I think, does a lot more with... Uh, it has a flying to... attack or like yeah. a jumping down attack. Yeah. That's right. Yep. So you can get up above and, and do sort of downward attacks. There's also sort of a rodeo mode where if you uh, stun a monster, you can jump on its back and uh, kind of do some damage and, and let it try and shake you off. Uh, the, the other thing, too, and and uh, by the way, I, I just want to say, as far as new games coming out, I don't know that they're going to really iterate much on this, but there are a ton of other games that have sort of taken that that Monster Hunter formula and done some really great things. In fact, coming out here in the next little bit is going to be the sequel to um, uh, Tukedon, uh, Tukid and Kiwami, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which is also coming out on PC, which is uh, is kind of neat. In fact, I've been playing Tukiden on the Vita, uh, just the first one, but I uh, haven't really had much time to... to well, there's play also it. your favorite, uh, Soul Sacrifice. Soul Sacrifice, right? that's right. In fact, I was actually just looking at this. There's, there's also Freedom Wars on the Vita. I actually did about two years ago, in fact, almost two years ago, two years ago this month on the Tech Gaming Podcast, I was a guest and uh, actually talked comparatively about some of the differences between Freedom Wars and Soul Sacrifice and Monster Hunter. God. Eater. Um, yeah, yeah, God Eater is another one. I actually haven't played that, but uh, there are some games that, in, in my opinion, are doing Monster Hunter maybe a little better than Monster Hunter is. I mean, they, they all have kind of their strengths and weaknesses, and maybe I'll maybe I'll plug a copy of that uh, uh, that link into the show notes, and people can go check that out because I, I do find also, that genre very interesting. There is another game upcoming on the PC. It might be PC only. I'm not sure, and it's called. Uh, what the hell what is that game called? It's like it starts with a D. It's like a Mass one. Effect. One Mass word title yeah. starts with a D. I forget. <laughs> uh, it's like do, do Deus Ex. Doom. The game Dale is thinking it's of is Dauntless by Phoenix Labs, created by former BioWare and Riot developers. Uh, Monster Hunter clone coming out at some point. Which, which is good. Dug. I mean, the other, the other thing that you didn't really hit on, which is probably kind of important, is the fun cycle of this game, which is kill monsters <laughs> to get components to make better stuff, to mm-hmm. kill more monsters, to get more components to make better mm-hmm. stuff, and you just keep doing that. And they've done a very good job at Capcom really refining that formula over time, and, and they've, I guess they've kept it, it pretty solid. I guess it, within a certain within each game, you you probably eventually get to a point where you already have all the best stuff, I guess. <laughs> and, then, and then what? You just like start working on different weapons? Or they what? just have higher-rank monsters. Like, it gets insane. Like, there's yeah. G-rank monsters and, and stuff like that. So you, there's this escalation of not only the types of monsters, but the scale of the monsters. They get gigantic. Uh, yeah, the the intro and... movie to this one has uh, like you're you're riding on this like sand ship across the the sand ocean, and there's this like massive, enormous sand worm fish thing that uh, is like ten times the size of your ship, and you got to figure out a way to kind of fight it off. And then yeah. I'm I'm sure that'll be like the what the if there were like later. 15 monsters and you had to like climb on their backs and stab like weak points with your sword? Oh, like in Castlevania Lords of Shadow? Yeah. No, nothing like that at all. That'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> it seems very familiar. Yeah, you know, Monster Hunter is one of those games where I told myself, you know what? I'm totally going to play this game and I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to like it. And uh, I found it impenetrable, at least by myself, not knowing anything about it going into it. I, I also have. Monster Hunter 4? I have the same one that you just said. You oh, man. We yeah. should all play Ultimate. this. 
Because you know what? Here's the other thing about this. It is way more fun with more people. I think this one you can do through internet also. I don't you think can. You don't it's have the to first be... one that they allowed you to do that, yes. Yeah, that's uh, that's I, a... My, my mom mentioned. said I can't give out my friend code. Oh, <laughs> friend code is just your phone number. You uh, just I'm, down, I'm down to try it out because I had no idea what I was doing. And I... I didn't even know what to. <laughs> so confusing. Oh, it's way fun. It's way fun with more people. Let's. Uh, yeah, let's I'm down. I'm down to try that definitely out. Definitely do that. Okay. That'd be fun. Very good. Cool. Uh, well, I was on a trip and I took my Nintendo Switch, where usually I take my PlayStation Vita oh, and yeah. my 3DS. I put both of those in the closet. Vita successor confirmed. <laughs> yeah. I just need to know if Nintendo you dunked Switch. any sweet chain hoop slam Duncans. Uh, twice. Yes. Twice I no, I did. I did bust it out on the plane though. Um, did but you... I just played Zelda. Oh, that's all right. I I, I had two legs and one uh, two flights, so I had a layover in Detroit for a little while. But the second flight from Detroit was like fifty five minutes, and I was next to some some dude with broad shoulders like myself, and so yeah, I couldn't get plan done. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for the the first leg was like four hours. I played for like three hours probably on the first flight, so it was pretty awesome. That's not bad. Playing um, playing Zelda for three hours. Yeah, and then same thing on the way back. I slept through the first 55-minute flight and then played Zelda a bunch on the second flight. But anyway. Decent. Uh, and then I played a bunch while I was there. So, like, downtime at night, I was playing Zelda. and Yeah, uh, I, I didn't play anything else aside from Zelda this whole entire last week. So what's the new um, stuff you've discovered? I've heard that the, the, the thing about Zelda is that everybody is like, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could do that. Uh, <laughs> that game surprises me every time i play it with how freaking huge it is like i've been i don't know how long i've been playing i've probably been playing i don't know 15 hours 20 hours maybe and i haven't even touched two-thirds of the map like i haven't even looked in that direction you know um there's just so many things to do um, I, I believe I talked last week about the shrines that you have to do, those little mini dungeons with right. little puzzles and stuff in them. Mm-hmm. There's 130 of those. 130. And I've done That's 25. 25. It's like all I've done, or 27 or something. Yeah, it's like ridiculous. It's unbelievable. Um, things I discovered. Let's see. Uh, I, I can now craft the ancient weapons. So the you know if you look at some of the artwork, uh, Link has like a blue arrow or something. Um, I can craft those now. And those are the things that you use to take down the guardians, these little guys, the amiibo dude, these little guys. Right. And they can also chop, if you use guardian like swords, you can chop off the guardian's legs and make them immobile so you can take them down easier. Um, but yeah, it's just... I've heard that you can crouch in front of a dog and spin around in circles and the dog will chase its tail along with you. I, I, I <laughs> no, haven't, <laughs> haven't heard anything about that. Try that, try that. Uh, there's good also... Dogs. There's also, like, I discovered, so there's these things you can find, these little Korok seeds, which I heard there's, like, 900 of them in the world. Yeah, I have eight, um, and I spent two Better get them. busy. Yeah, they're the things that you use to increase your inventory size, so you can hold more weapons and more bows and more shields and stuff like that. Um, so I am basically at the same point where I was last time, except for I have more armor. I discovered that you can upgrade your armor. Uh, so I found um, the, the fairy in the fairy pool, like the great magical fairy, you know, like the big fairies you find in Zelda games. But I found one of those and, uh, she, you could upgrade your stuff with her. Um, so I like put some monster parts I gave to her and she like upgraded my, my junk. Um, so I have better 
better armor, but you're constantly finding new armor and new weapons and different armor. And um, I have like this Beastmaster armor that makes me do more attack damage. And there's armor for like stealthing around. There's armor for swimming fast and armor for climbing faster. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of a little overwhelming. It's 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 very. I feel like right now I could just mainline the main story and get through it, but man, you would miss so much of this game. So much more of this game is exploration and finding stuff and going on little side quests and talking to people and finding out their stories. And um, yeah, like you'll just come across some random dude and he'll just tell you something silly. And then later down the line, you'll come across something like, oh, that's what that guy was referencing. Or he'll send you on a side quest with some esoteric, you know, hint at what you need to do. And, and eventually maybe it comes into play and you come across something you're like, Oh, there's that thing, you know? And, um, yeah, it's just, it's unbelievable that, I mean, I guess that's what happens when you take what, five years to make a Zelda game yeah. or, <laughs> you know, however long they, they had to make this. Uh, and then the fact that it's playable on, the Nintendo Switch, which is the size of a tablet, you know, and it's that big and that detailed and that many systems going on and, you know, weapons and upgrades and, you know, elemental things and, like, my fire sword that does fire damage and then catches fire and your arrows, you can, you know, light them on fire. You have fire arrows. It's just it's so many things that you just are constantly having to think about. And, like, oh, here's a pack of, here's a pack of bad guys. How do I... Uh, how do I solve this? Well, I came across this monster guy, and he sold me a mask that makes me look like a, a goblin, so I can run in there and like infiltrate their base and do stuff. And like all these things are just more things. It's just you're always coming across them. And like I said, I've only probably seen you know a third of the map, and even then, I haven't really like you know searched through everything that I've seen. It's like just running around, you know. Uh, so it's definitely a game where. I mean, it came out perfectly with the Switch because, well, there's not going to be much else to play on the Switch unless you want to play, I don't know, those Neo Geo games or whatever. Uh, but you could definitely spend a good half a year playing. <laughs> as far as my schedule goes, I mean, I could play this game for a long, long, long time. I feel like eventually I'm just going to say, okay, I'm done. I'm just going to, like, finish the game and just beat it, you know, and... um but yeah, it is it is really quite the feat, and the fact that it's like I, I think about other games like it, like Horizon Zero Dawn, for example, which is getting you know fantastic reviews, and um, or a game like uh, well any new modern game that you download on the PS4, which is like Doom, for example, is like a sixty gigabyte download, or Horizon Zero Dawn, you know, it's probably a good sixty gigs I would imagine to download that game, and Zelda's like thirteen gigs, and it's you know, bigger than all those games. And it and it just goes to show that Nintendo is great at building worlds and, you know, making the most out of, you know, what little they have. You know, they've always, you know, since even the GameCube, they've been the underpowered console. You know, the Nintendo 64 was not nearly as, you know, good graphically as the PlayStation or whatever. But I thought they've that, always wasn't been the able GameCube, to... the GameCube, like, the most powerful of that generation? But just nobody had took the smallest advantage storage, of it? I think. Like had the, the, the smallest storage, yeah. Um, had those little mini discs, right? Yeah, those little tiny ones. Yeah, but I mean, the fact that they can do what they did with this game is the art style is fantastic. The game looks amazing, and and those I have anthropomorphic no shark men are hot. Oh yeah, 
I, I took screenshots of that dude before I saw any of the memes. I'm like, this dude is like the <laughs> raddest character ever. And then, and then all of a sudden, I look on the internet and everyone's like posting about. Him. I'm like, well, you know, I guess they did something right because we'll we game. all came to that same burn we all came to that same conclusion. Uh, yeah. So props to Nintendo for making this game and you know doing something different. I mean, they could have they could have played it safe. They could have made another Skyward Sword and just done the standard. Here's eight dungeons to go through and find your item in the dungeon and and do what you do. But basically, you know, I've played dungeons and I have gotten no new items aside from like new weapons. And huh. the new weapons aren't anything different. They're just a different sword that has fire damage or a different sword that has. You know, two-handed sword that swings slower, but it does you know lightning damage, which makes the your enemies drop their weapons or whatever. Uh, because at the very beginning of the game, you play through these tutorial shrines where you earn these little relics that you can use, like the magnet where you can lift up metal items, or stasis where you can pause something and you put it into in stasis, and then if you hit it with your sword, it like creates kinetic energy which will propel it in that direction when it when it breaks or. You receive all that at the very beginning. There's no like, oh, I've got the magic wand now, so now I can go do this thing. Or, you know, it's completely open to do with as you please. Once you finish that tutorial area, the plateau that you start out on. Um, so props to them for really doing something different this time, you know? Because same thing with Jeremy's always said, you know, Metroid games have kind of gotten stale for Jeremy, you know? Like, I don't need another, I lost all my, now I got to get it back and, and get through these doors because now, now I can open them with my bombs and... That type of stuff, um, you know. What a, maybe Metroid's the next one to get the take on. You know, what, what can how can they reimagine Metroid while keeping it, the feel the same? That would be awesome. You know, tell something new, uh, tell a new story, or whatever they do, just with the mechanics. I mean, remember when Metroid Prime came out and how amazing that was? Yes. Like, yep. That was pretty cool. Um, so what, what's what's next for the Metroid? What's next for the Nintendo? What's next for Mario? What's next for? Any of these franchises, uh, if they can do it with Zelda, you know, hopefully they're looking forward to the way they can apply um, those same ideas and thoughts to other properties of their own. But hopefully, anyway, Zelda continues to be amazing, and yeah, so far right now, game of the year for sure for me, uh, as it stands here in March fifteenth. Uh, Madness. <laughs> Madness. I, I don't know. March I don't know Madness. what else. I don't know what else is on the horizon that will uh, Horizon Zero it. Dawn. Yeah, I haven't played that yet, but it's on the I do want to play that. For sure. Well, uh, this past week while you guys were out, I was uh, taking it to the home console. I was playing on the big boy TV and played a couple of games. I did not play, I just want to say, did not play Shovel Knight Spectre of Torment because it is only out on the Switch. Boo. Uh, Really? Yeah, it's coming out on the other platforms. I'm totally going to play it. Uh, (laughs) Coming out on the other platforms next month. Uh, So that that was a really good game. So Nintendo secured a, a console exclusive with that. Uh, for like I, a timed exclusive I, or yes i mean just... I, I get the feeling like it's just that's the one they finished first like i guess they just wanted to work on it to be the big fish in a small pond and so that's what they released and the other stuff is still going through cert i think is what they said on their yeah because the games i mean they basically released two games that they've already done even two games they've already done on nintendo platforms right yeah. yep yep exactly <laughs> so, so the other one was just kind of a natural evolution but yeah you're absolutely right there's not a big library and that is definitely one of the standouts on what what is available on the Switch right mm-hmm, now. For sure. So on my TV, I've been playing this week Steep, which is the Ubisoft ski and snowboard, uh, kind of ski down the mountain sort of game. It's sort of their SSX, I guess. Um, but it kind of has a definite Burnout Paradise vibe to it uh, in that you can sort of play by yourself, but there's always it's always online, basically. So you log in and you're on servers and other people are skiing and snowboarding and paragliding down this mountain 
and uh, just kind of going all over and doing fun things, and you can sort of group up with anybody that you come across and just kind of... I, I thought this game was more of a, a sim rather than an arcade it's, ski snowboard It's not game. really a... I mean, it really does feel like SSX. I mean, you can do moves, but it's not like, you know, keep your legs straight and don't, you know, don't cross your skis. Well, SSX is like super over the top, though, right? Kind of, yeah. I mean, this definitely is like more toned down from that. I mean, there is... The physics, I think, are more realistic. You're not going to be doing, you know, 30 you know, half twists and those sorts of things. Um, but, but I don't know that I'd go to the point where I'd call it simmy. Um, but, but it is more grounded, I guess, except you spend a lot of time in the air. Uh, How do you compare it to 1080? Remember the 1080 snowboarding on the N64? Um, I don't know that it really, I mean, I that guess it's like it, a perfect, like arcade versus, you know, yeah, more realistic snowboarding game. I, I think this is like that. But the thing is that it does a lot of challenges and stuff. I mean, it really is. If you liked the format of Burnout Paradise, where you just had an open world and could go around, and, and in, in Burnout you could stop at any intersection and start a new challenge, this definitely has that kind of thing going with it. Um, you, so the the idea is that you have... Your open world is basically a mountain. It's a, a persistent, big nice looking like really well rendered really well designed mountain in fact there are two of them in the game you can either take uh, so there are two theaters I, I can't remember if that's what they call it but two theaters that you can cross back and forth between uh, the Alps or Alaska and um, basically they have crafted this mountain uh, fully you know all the way up and down and, and I mean it's not even a single mountain either so it's kind of like a little bit of a range of mountains and <laughs> uh, they've basically put set starting points and little zones that you can do things on and there are challenges based on the uh, four different types that you can do so I mentioned skiing uh, snowboarding there's a paraglider or sort of parachute kind of thing you can do and then there's a wingsuit and uh, you can basically freely switch at any time between those if you want to. You just kind of map it on the D-pad and, and choose what you're going to do. There's also a walking that you can do if you just kind of need to adjust yourself to get into a... Because, I mean, it's it's not like... Sometimes it'll warp you to a certain place, but for the most part, you're kind of on your own to, to move around and to go where you want to go. Um, and uh, basically, there are little challenges all around. You're going to be in competition beating times. You're going to be doing, um, for example, one of the things I spent the most time doing was the wingsuit, where you get on top of a really craggy mountain, jump down with that thing, and they will tell you things like, uh, you know, they might have time trials or, like, go through the rings or follow a certain path. And, and in fact, if you if you reset, it'll actually show you your path where you did before, and you can. it's very quick to reset. There are no loads in any of this. The only time that it loads is if you decide you want to go from the Alps to Alaska. Um, but other than that, now, is that, it's like... Is that yeah. just like pet names for like regions of the mountain? Or are they, are they saying like, this is actually the Alps, this is actually Alaska? Um, or like... I, I feel like this is a an enhanced version of these mountains. Because the thing is, everything on the mountain has been crafted so that pretty much no matter where you start, anywhere on that mountain, there's going to be a... I would be really interested to hear them talk about the design of this, because basically anywhere that you go, there's going to be a cool path to get down that mountain. And it might just be the natural formation of mountains kind of lend themselves to that, because you kind of go into the, the little crags and valleys and things. But uh, I, I do not believe that this is necessarily a one-to-one -one recreation of any specific mountain. Um, I could be wrong about that, but it, it feels like they've pretty much crafted this to be what it is. 
Um, and the mountain is definitely a character. Like I said, it's very big and well-rendered, and, and you can always zoom out at any point onto the map, and it just looks really good and realistic. Um, you can freely change the time of day, you know, and, and you know, the further north you are in, in Alaska, like, all of the times are, like, low-light, kind of nighttime sorts of things. Um, and it definitely can have a very chill feel to it. The music, uh, the music almost feels like an EA game. You know, EA, on, in their sports games, uh, whatever you think about the sports, they have really well-crafted soundtracks, like, licensed soundtracks. And this has a very good mix of licensed music, and it sort of kicks in uh, based on speed. I've noticed that the faster you're going, the faster the, the music is that they queue up for you. And if you kind of come, you know, slow down or come to a stop, it kind of like fades back a little bit. And so they definitely have put a lot of work into the music and, and generally just getting the feel. Um, so it can be chill if you want it to be chill. It can be very high energy if you want it to be high energy. Uh, the challenges, like I mentioned, are, are really cool. And in fact, I found myself spending, it's, it's one of those things where you jump off, like in my wingsuit, for example, jump off, get a little ways, crash, and oh, crap, you know, go back and do it again. Do, do that for, you know, repeat that for like an hour before you realize what you're doing. And, uh, and a lot of it really is like that. I mean, there, there are challenges where you have to snowboard across the ridge or the crest of a mountain, and you only get points as long as you're on the tippy top. And so you see a bunch of people also doing this with you, and, like, you'll fall off and be like, oh, nuts, and reset. And you'll see a, bu a bunch of other people, and you might follow them, or you might follow your own path and get the highest possible score you can. Uh, it gives you grades. It gives you XP. You can unlock. Most of the stuff that you're unlocking in this is new starting points. Um, you can get—they do have a uh, paid— uh, I guess, helicopter ticket system where you can basically start anywhere you want on the mountain. Um, I, I didn't really grasp that during this event. This was a free weekend for Steep, and I could pretty well go anywhere I wanted to. Like, they also have, when you're not in the overview, you can basically pick out some binoculars, look at any point that's within view, and pretty much mark that, and then go there. Um, so, so they definitely make it very easy and, and mobile to go around. Um, all, all the character customizations, uh, like I mentioned, the persistence of the mountain. So, uh, you know, you will sometimes come across the same place that you skied through before. Um, you know, all, all of the little details as well, like the, the lines that you carve in the snow are, are very authentic. Um, you, you can even, if you come to a stop, you'll actually even see little snowballs kind of rolling up to catch up with you, like those little tiny ones that kind of roll in the snow. Um, and in, in general, uh, just very well crafted. It, it definitely scales, you know, the very big idea of the mountain, um, the, the challenges and the zones that you get into, like the individual paths that you might want to challenge. They have little names and things. And then also the very fine details, and it seems like they've really put a lot of attention into all the levels of, of detail. Um, I, I don't know if it's the kind of thing that I would buy necessarily like I was happy that they did a, a free event for it and hopefully they you know get some get some momentum I don't know how well steep has been doing but uh, for, for what it is if, if you miss SSX you know the last SSX game was the one that EA did what two three years ago it was the like hardcore one right yeah yeah it was and I really like that one because it also used uh, that one in particular used some of the control mechanisms of skate which I thought was really cool because EA Dude, made skate. skate I was gonna bring that up because that's the type of sim game that I want. Like yes. Skate was so... I'm not going to say it was realistic, but it was more grounded, right? Yes. Like, that's Absolutely. what I like. Absolutely. And th and this, I think, is, is a little more like that. I mean, it's SSX, but they, they definitely are trying to go for kind of that... Like, it's extreme sports, but they kind of want it to feel like it's plausible, I think. And they do a good job. I think I think it's uh, really pretty well done. So Yeah, it looks really, really good. And I like, I like snowboarding. Like, if I played this game, I would rather just 
put me on the mountain. I don't care about. I take away my HUD and just let me snowboard down the hill. They kind of have that too. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe you'd like this if it, if it you know comes on, and it's on PC, PlayStation Four, Xbox One, all of them. So it's on sale right now on Amazon for thirty bucks for yeah, the PS Four or they, Xbox One version. I think they're doing a little bit of a push for it. You know, the free weekend I think was to give enough people a taste for you know for nobody who'd really considered it, and then I think it's on a sale to try to encourage people to buy it. So yep, steep. Go check it out. It's probably on sale on your platform of choice. Pretty good. Uh, the other game that I played this week was also on the Big Boy TV. I played Disc Jam on the PlayStation 4, which is one of the PS Plus free games for this month, uh, which is pretty simple. I mean, especially compared to something like Steep, which is very high production value. Disc Jam is basically, if you want to picture it, it's like Discs of Tron. So you have discs that you throw and you careen off of things. And Tennis. Like, it's really very simple. Um, You basically have four character models to choose from, so there's not, like, a whole roster of characters. There's, like, a big dude and a ninja girl and, you know, a couple of random people. Um, But it's all cosmetic. And basically the idea is that you can play either singles or doubles and basically try to hit the disc either to the back of the court, you know, facing away from you, you know, the back of the the opposing court, or if you can get it to hit the ground uh, on the enemy's half of the court, basically those score you points. Um, There is a point waiting system, and I don't know exactly how it works, but it's the first team to to reach 50 points, and and it's basically in increments of 10, but I, I get the feeling like if a disc stays in play, because you can catch it, throw it back, you can bank it off of things, um, there are super shots that you can do, like if you want to, you can lob it if you think somebody is out of position and, you know, kind of do a, you know, a little bit of a, of a skill shot or a taunt on them, um, but but then you could catch that, for example, and like sets it on fire and you start throwing stuff back. Uh, but it's very quick, you know. Um, so aside from all of the special throws and things and, and the, the the tactics, you could theoretically just keep hitting X to throw the, the disc in a direction. And the match, the rounds, I guess I should say, last only a few seconds. And then you're playing two out of three matches, basically, if you're playing against someone. Um, it has a very simple but very fun sort of moment-to-moment strategy. Like if you've ever played tennis games, it's sort of like, where's my opening? What, what can I anticipate I can get away with? Do I need to shoot something really fast? Can I lob something over here? Are they way too close to the net? And then I, you know, hit it clear clear to the back where nobody's in, in position. Um, there is a slide move that you can do that'll kind of help to get you where, where you want to go. And uh, generally speaking, you can keep the thing in play. It's in 3D, so you're looking down from your side of the court. I mean, just like in any given tennis game, you know, Mario Tennis or uh, Hot Shots or or, uh, any of those kinds of things. Um, And there is sometimes a little bit of a stereoscopic, like you'll think you were going to catch it, but it just kind of went right by you. But it kind of doesn't matter because in in any given moment, you're going to throw the thing and get points for yourself as well. So in the same way that some sports are kind of like, there's always scoring going on and you just want to try and inch your way ahead, you know, either through skill or, or luck. Um, this kind of has that going on. Um, there's also something I kind of like about it is uh, kind of like in Rocket League, you know how you can do the little D-pad, uh, little taunts and things that you can do. I, I've kind of discovered that there is a little bit of an element of psychological warfare going on here as well. I love to uh, send over the wrecked message, uh, R-E-K-T, and just let people know that they just got wrecked. Um, and I think that that wears down on people. They're like, oh man, this guy wrecked me. Oh, he did it again. He did it again. And, like, I think it throws them off their game. At least that's my theory. So I always tell people that they got wrecked when I get a point on them. Um, and uh, the only thing is, there's no AI in this, so you have to find people 
Um, and I am not sure how long Disc Jam is for this world. I don't know if it's going to continue to have much of a thriving community. If you have PlayStation Plus and you tend to put off games like I do, I mean, I'm not playing them all all the time, uh, Disc Jam might be one. It's fairly small. There's not a big storage footprint for it. You might just want to break it out one afternoon just to see if you like it uh, before it goes away. Um, it's plenty fun, and I, th I get the feeling it's a pretty small team. It's only like a year and a half development, and it's like two guys. They have a little note that shows up when you load the game about the current news and stuff. Um, but I, it is a little bit hard sometimes to get into a good doubles match. Um, there is private matches. You can you can do parties and things like that, but that presumes that you've got some friends that you can round up and, and play against some other people. But uh, yeah, I, I guess this is also sort of a spiritual successor to Windjammers, which I think is also coming out on the PlayStation 4, which I have never actually heard of, but I guess it's the same kind of idea, but in 2D, like almost like a fighting game. Uh, I think that is coming out some at some point in the future. So if, if uh, Windjammers means anything to you or Discs of Tron or if you like a good game of tennis... Uh, this might be worth. You know what's this? What's funny is that when I hear disc jam, um, and it's funny that wind jammers has jam in it also. But uh, <laughs> do you guys remember like back in the days of? Uh, I guess it was probably just PS One, PS Two. They had Jam Pack, which was yeah, like J A M P A K, I think. Yeah, which was just a collection of demos, basically right. on a disc that you could pay like five bucks for. Um, I don't know. It just makes me think of. Jam pack, <laughs> whatever, jam, and it's jam. like a disc of demos. Paid demos that you buy. Yeah. yeah. Jam is truly outrageous, Dale. Truly, truly, truly jam. outrageous. Jam. Also truly, truly, truly outrageous, folks, the Game Bite Show podcast. Uh, we hope you think so. We hope you've enjoyed this show. This uh, is one of two shows that we do each week. We will be back in just a few days to hit you again with the news and the new releases and a special video game topic of discussion. You can find that in your RSS feed before too long. If you have any comments on any of the games that we've been playing, if you have a feeling about Monster Hunter, if you've discovered something cool in Breath of the Wild, or if you got a chance to play the free weekend of Steep or play Disc Jam, let us know. We can be found on social media. You can find us over at Twitter, at GameBite Show, collectively. You can also reach out to us individually. I am at Jeremy underscore Lamont. You can find me at Legrand. And I am at Count Elmdor. You can also find our fourth man and good buddy Jared Red Eye Dunn at R-E-D underscore I. Jared is in charge of doing the video streams over at twitch.tv slash gamebyteshow. Uh, this past week, he and I played together uh, Total War Warhammer, and uh, I'm not going to say much about the outcome, but uh, wrecked, I guess is all I'm going to say <laughs> there. Uh, so check that out. You can find our archives of that if you miss it on twitch.tv slash show. You can go to youtube.com slash show as well. Or if you can't remember all of those addresses, just go to www.gamebyteshow.com where you can find all of this, including our archive of past podcasts. Lots of good stuff, lots of good insights and special fun games that we've been playing, and we'd certainly love to share them with you, just like we'd love for you to share this with your friends and good buddies. And uh, we can all join together in one big happy Game Bite Show group hug. We sure would love that. I hope you too. Uh, as I said, this has been your show for this Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next time. See ya. See you later.